Welcome back to the program. It is such a blessing to be with you today. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, I thank you and I praise you for all of the ways that you love us, that you lavish with such generosity the gifts of your Holy Spirit upon us, the gift of your Holy Spirit upon us. And Lord, I ask that you would give us uh, an expectancy, a hunger for spiritual gifts, for the, for the greater gifts. Give us a hunger to be equipped by you, empowered to be able to live our life of faith, to extend the gospel, to lead others into faith. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so today in the program, so much to talk about. Where I'm headed, and I'll get there rather quickly, hopefully quickly, is this idea that the time or the age of Christendom has fallen apart. It, not completely, but it has fallen apart significantly, especially if you're here in the state of Washington, in the great Northwest, meaning that the Catholic Christian worldview and the ideals the beliefs about the human person, about God creating us male and female, about marriage and morality, about the beginning and end of life, those things are now essentially not welcome in the laws and policies of the state of Washington. They're under attack in the laws and policies of the state of Washington in some of the most important ways possible. When I say important, I mean the fundamental cell of society, what's the fundamental cell? You think of cells, right? Your body's made up of cells. The fundamental cell of society is the family. And if you get the family wrong, then it's not likely that the society that is a community of families, a family of families, is going to be right. If we get the family unit incorrectly, if we misunderstand it, or if we don't foster the flourishing of families, then things won't go well at these larger circles in neighborhoods, in communities, in towns and counties, in, and then across the state itself. And sadly, if we who experience the gift of faith in our families, informing how we live as families, simply enjoy those good gifts— if we simply enjoy the benefits of faith in our own families, and frankly, would rather just sort of be left alone, like the rest of society isn't all that bad, at least it, we don't feel the pain and suffering of it, then we don't really have to worry too much about it. And, you know, let's, let's let other people tackle that. We don't really have to take some kind of extraordinary effort. Do we really have to pick it? Do we really have to become engaged in political action? Do we need to be able to uh, be equipped to answer people's questions and, and to push back when we are faced with social situations that foster a demonic ideology that is destroying the sexual identity of kids and their peaceful development of their own sense of self as a sexual being? Are we going to stand idly by and watch our kids get torn to pieces, savaged, and to have their sense of innocence destroyed, not to mention sometimes their very bodies destroyed, while parents are helplessly looking on, either 
unable to stop the process of hormone therapy being given to their kids or being even uh, made aware of these decisions because parents have been kept away from them. Rod Dreher, the author of The Benedict Option and Live Not By Lies, wrote an essay that came out in the last couple of days where he talks about the reality. He doesn't talk about it. He is sounding an alarm, saying, hey, folks, parents, any people of goodwill, and especially people of faith, if we stand idly by while 12, 13, 15-year-old kids, second graders, third graders, are having presented to them a false and even demonic understanding of sexual identity. And it will be sown into their minds and hearts with such clever arguments, seductive arguments, pervasive arguments, and intimidating arguments, all of those factors. They will be overwhelmed and they will succumb. It will be sown into their minds and hearts. And sadly, my brothers and sisters, we parents, we have to stand up. We have to step up. If you were listening to my program yesterday, uh, and I raised an interesting question, it was a speculation, and I certainly don't know the answer for sure. But the question was, when the Pope prayed for Pope Leo XIII on December 31st at the Midnight Mass, at the, the last day of the uh, 19th century, entering into the 20th century, he prayed, Come, Creator Spirit. And they sang this invoking of the Holy Spirit down upon the realm of Christianity, upon all Christian peoples, and upon the Catholic Church, that the Holy Spirit would fall, the Holy Spirit would move. And what ended up happening was it wasn't a convent in France, and it wasn't some people praying in churches around the world. It was a little girl in Topeka, Kansas, literally hours later, that experienced this outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon her. Now, can you draw a direct line between those things? Well, no, I can't. I don't know if any of us can. For sure, either say yes or no. There's a relationship between the two. But let's just say both of them, both in both situations, there was a calling for the Holy Spirit and an openness to receive the Holy Spirit. So, be that as it may, the question was, where were the bishops? Where were the priests? Honoring the command and decree of Pope Leo XIII, from several years before, in a papal encyclical, decreeing and commanding that every single parish church in the world would enact a novena to the Holy Spirit. That means praying for those nine days between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost Sunday, imploring God, vigiling with prayer, joining in the Spirit, in the, in spirit, in the in the experience of the upper room where the Blessed Mother, the apostles and disciples prayed vigorously, perseveringly. They prayed and cried out to the Lord for the gift of the Holy Spirit to fall. The promise of the Father come. We can't go forward on mission without the promise of the Father. Please, Holy Spirit, come with power. And sure enough, nine days later, on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit came. Pope Leo, having received the insistent, persistent, vigorous messages of a sweet nun from northern Italy, now a blessed, Elena Guerra, is saying, you are being called by the Lord to 
call the Catholic Church to vigil on a yearly basis with great fervor and devotion for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the release of the Spirit of Pentecost upon the church in that time. So needed, so desperate, so required that it wasn't just, let's all agree to do this once. And let's all agree to do this here. You can all watch me do it at the Vatican. No, every parish, every year from that year forward. And there was a complete fail, not a complete, I guess a complete fail. <laughs> I'm not aware of any church that continues, has an, un, uh, has an unbroken continuity from that decree to the taking action that the Pope was requiring. And to be honest, I don't know of any parish in my entire life growing up that ever referenced that idea that there was a, a need for the Novena to the Holy Spirit from the days of Ascension Thursday to Pentecost. Now, I did work for a parish in Manchester, New Hampshire, back in the late 80s, early 90s, where the pastor, who had a had an openness to the Holy Spirit, had been blessed by the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and by other movements, he called his parish to pray for a, a Novena to the Holy Spirit. And we did for the years that I was there. We prayed a novena to the Holy Spirit during the days of Ascension Thursday to Pentecost Sunday. Come Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, there's not going to be power in the work of evangelizing. The power of God to evangelize with signs and wonders and deeds of power with supernatural displays that are convincing and convicting to those who would hear the message. No wonder our message as Catholics is not taking hold and converting thousands, tens of thousands, and millions. It lacks supernatural power, supernatural radiance of God's glory. And so we have millions of upon millions of self-identifying Catholics walking away from the church. We have lost tens of millions of Catholics in the past 20 years, walked away from the fullness of faith and the fullness of what God has revealed and the means of salvation. That's what the Catholic Church has been entrusted with, the fullness of truth and the fullness of means of salvation. And we have lost a generation, millions and millions. Our churches are emptying out. And Rod Dreyer's uh, call referencing Pope Benedict, as well as Saint Benedict, that the new springtime would be preceded by a new winter, a time of coming apart in smaller groups who would more intensively live their faith in these islands of Christianity, that they lived it more intensively, more intentionally, and out of that would radiate the glory of God. It would radiate in a way that would then, once again, win a hearing, a fresh hearing, a new hearing of the gospel. But there's even more at stake than that. It's not only, not only is it that we are failing, we get a failing grade as a church when it comes to proclaiming Jesus Christ and the gospel 
in our time. Where are the courageous evangelists proclaiming the gospel with power? But there's more because of what has taken its place. There is an anti-gospel. So there is something that is being put forward as good news. As news, as something that, hey, when you hear it, it's going to be fresh. It's going to be uh, it's going to be stirring. It's going to be attractive. And that's the anti-gospel that is coming forth through smartphones. Just hear it out loud. If you have given your kid a smartphone, and that smartphone has on it internet connectivity, internet connectivity means, uh, internet connectivity means um, s- uh, social media, like TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Those platforms, your kids, YouTube, your kids are being inundated. They're being, it's not weather. It's just to what degree. They have had a different gospel sown into their minds and hearts. It's been sown. Sown like those seeds that are reaching the soil of their lives. And that anti-gospel is coming at them with full force. It is intensive. It is addictive. It is pervasive. It is seductive. It is um, intimidating. It's intimidating. For those who would not embrace that position, the position of, of the Catholic faith, the position of the Catholic Church, the position of Christian faith, is often just slashed. It is undermined. It is put forward with contempt or it's completely ignored. And instead, you have these false gospels being sown into your kids' lives. It's true. That is what's happening to your kids. And if you are not monitoring and managing your kids' access to the internet, and listen again, your kids' access to kids who have unfiltered, unfettered access to the internet, you'll be held to an account because you're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose them. You're going to lose their innocence, not just to pornography, yes, but to pornography, but the tremendous amounts of impurity, immodesty, the worldviews that are presented there, the, the anti-God, the anti-faith, the uh, bound by this world, seductive presentations of same-sex marriage, transgender ideology, of uh, of lifestyles that involve um, uh, sexual promiscuity as what is expected, promoted, uh, wholesale. This is what is washing over your kids and sowing into them. And don't think that somehow the small amounts of interaction you have with them at home around these issues is going to outweigh the seductive, pervasive, intimidating, overwhelming experience that they have. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight.
Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. But boy, I didn't think I was going to go quite this far down this trail. But I, it, it feels, it, I, feel, I feel prompted. I feel prompted to do that because I'm not hearing this from bishops and I'm not hearing this from priests. I just don't hear the kind of vigorous, courageous calls to protect your kids from access to the internet, to pull those smartphones out of your kids' hands, to delay access to social media, if at all, uh, giving them any access to it. The horrors that will be sewn into your kids' minds, disturbing their peace, increasing social anxieties, a sense of pressure, depression, leading to self-harm, leading to self-hatred, making them feel bullied, making them feel intimidated, and then losing their minds and hearts. You're going to lose their minds and hearts. You're going to lose their innocence. You're going to lose their innocence. That's what's happening. Uh, it was, Kerry called it a virus of the mind. We talk about coronavirus, covid the virus of the mind is the anti-gospel that's coming through your kids' smartphones, laptops, iP uh, iPads, and other devices, connected devices. It's destroying their souls. It's destroying them. And if, if I don't say something, then I am as, I'm as guilty as the spiritual leaders over us that are saying little to nothing whimpering when they should be screaming, uh, uh, pleading when they, uh, gently suggesting when they should be outraged. Who's going to stand up, speak out, and push back? And the very sad, tragic reality is not your Catholic schools. Your diocesan Catholic schools, with very rare exceptions, and I can give you the mark of the schools that will be the ones who provide you with the rare exception. They're called classical Catholic schools. So if there's a classical Catholic school that's part of the diocese, you're more likely to get intentional living from the families who attend and teachers and policies that are more rigorous and vigorous when it comes to use and access of technology and pushing back and standing up for the truth that God made us male and female. And that's something that will lead to flourishing. It's not something to hide and be ashamed of, but it's something to lead with and to promote and protect in our kids. But in your typical Catholic high schools, in your typical Catholic high schools that are connected to the diocese, you should expect that they will have clubs that support and promote transgender ideology. That should be the expectation until you get proven wrong. You should expect that the morality that is taught and presented is going to support and promote transgender ideology until you can be proven otherwise. And even in those cases where you're proven otherwise, in those diocesan, archdiocesan high schools, the majority of kids who walk those halls will have been more infected by the anti-gospel of today than by the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will be absolutely more deeply converted to and formed by 
the anti-gospel, demonic presentation of what is true and good and beautiful. These are lies that are deceptive and that are destructive when it comes to sexual identity, when it comes to sexual expression, as compared to the Catholic Church. And so that's what you should expect, just because the majority of these kids that are attending these schools are not coming from intentional, practicing Catholic families. So your kids are going to be outnumbered, completely outnumbered. And so when they're in that kind of environment, where they're rarely going to get a vigorous presentation and defense of the Catholic faith as true, good, and beautiful, and is what really is going to lead to flourishing and pushing back against the lies that will destroy their peace and maybe destroy their bodies. Unless you're getting the grace, the strength to push back against these things, your kids are going to be infected too. It's a virus. It's a virus of the soul. It's a virus of the heart and of the mind. And so when I speak with a degree of intensity, fervor, and urgency to parents about taking action that is unlike any action you ever thought you'd have to take in your kids' lives. It's because of that. So I love your kids. I love your kids, and I've faced too many parents, too many parents in my 33 years of ministry, 33 years of doing this stuff. I have faced too many parents and grandparents who are suffering because of what's unfolding in the lives of their children and their grandchildren, which is a loss of their faith. They sent their kids to diocesan Catholic schools only to have them lose their faith within a year or two of leaving those schools. 12 years in the schools, a year or two into college, they lose their faith, walk away from their faith, that's the battle. And we don't like to hear that. It would, wouldn't it? I mean, come on. Why are you tipping over the apple cart, Tom? Just take it easy. Relax. Chill out, man. <laughs> Sit back. You know, uh, enjoy the sunset. Um, how can I if the house is on fire and the kids are burning? How can I if the kids are being seduced away um, by evil forces that will bind them up and maybe damage them for life. How can I just sit idly by and not warn you? It, it's just like to take a stand reverently, respectfully, to take a stand and say, parents, you didn't know what you had signed up for as parents that would be having kids that are in their tween years and teen years in the year 2022. You just didn't know what you were signing up for. I didn't. But what we signed up for is the necessity, the necessity of taking extraordinary measures. It's not business as usual. Extraordinary measures just to have our kids experience a peaceful development of their own sense of identity and faith, personal identity, sexual identity in this culture. You have to take extraordinary measures. And uh, that's why I, uh, frankly, it's why I became a real estate agent, is whether or not you move to eastern Washington or northern Idaho, it's way better here. If, frankly, it is so much better here, so much life, more life-giving here than in the toxic world in the Puget Sound area. 
But I know not everyone can't move. Everyone can't move. But if you if you can't move, or frankly refuse to move, that's fine. Except you have to choose then to make extraordinary efforts to lead and provide and protect your kids by banding together with others in exile. Because you're in exile. We're in, we have found a refuge. But you're in an exile. You're in, you might be in a peaceful neighborhood. You might be on the same teams. Like Story. Real story. In the last week. Here you go. This story is a week old. I wish Carrie was here to tell it. Uh, talking to a parent. Sweet girl. Lovely girl. Eighth grade. Goes to a wonderful classical school. Family of faith. And her daughter is talented at soccer talented soccer player. And so wanting her daughter to advance as far as her talent will take her, put her on a premier team. So that's like kind of highest level of soccer, right? It's like this premier team and it might be one level higher than that, but let's just say at a very high level. And so with other kids and families who are very intentional and make serious efforts when it comes to participating in soccer. It's one of those, you know, you'll drive for uh, 400 miles for a game over a weekend, right? One of those kind of situations. Or fly to, to Las Vegas for a tournament kind of thing. Okay. Well, what has this mom come to find out? That her daughter, sweet as she is, when she is in her normal environment, when she hangs out with these girls or goes on these trips... These girls come from homes where they all have phones. And these phones are, it's very uneven regarding what kind of social media apps they have, their involvement with TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, where they are exposed to the most vile filth that you can't, you can't even imagine. You just can't. And, and here's the thing. It's vile filth presented in a seductive, pervasive, entertaining, stimulating way. These girls don't have a chance. These eighth grade girls don't have a chance. And so they're absorbing it. They're stirred by it. They're drawn to it. They spend all their time on it. And that toxic spirit, guess what? Has flowed over and has sown itself gradually into this girl's mind and heart. And, and the mom is thinking, I'm doing a good thing. I'm doing a good thing. I'm giving my girl who's athletically gifted a chance to uh, involve herself at a high level with other girls that will, all the good things that sports can bring, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, all these different things, but look what it's cost. At what cost? Really? This is, wait a minute. This isn't worth what it cost. And what a sad reality that, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't expect that the, the world was going to say to me, I have a choice. I can um, promote my daughter getting to the highest level of playing in the sport as she can. But if in doing that, I'm going to expose her to a bunch of girls who are going to evangelize her, evangelize her into the anti-Christian, anti-God spirit that is found in the presentation of beliefs and, 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 uh, and images in videos and messages that are going to corrupt and destroy her soul. I, you know, this was not the world I grew up in. This was not the world I grew up in, but it's the world that I'm in now. 
and I better adapt. I better adapt. I better uh, be aware and be courageous about taking action or it's on me. It is on me. And so it is, that's just one very simple example. So God bless you if you are living in the Puget Sound and the dominant culture in your neighborhood and the festivals and billboards and, and uh, community activities that you are surrounded by is promoting a transgender ideology, it's going to wash over your kids. It is. And so you have to be so alert. You have to be so attuned to what those kids are getting in their Catholic schools. They're Catholic schools. Because you'll get Catholic teachers presenting a sympathetic version of transgender ideology that they'll attempt to cleverly find in the scriptures and in church teaching. And they're just lies. They're just confusing lies that will help enable kids to fall into terrible, not just belief systems, but beliefs take on actions. And it'll lead these kids to confusing experiences of their own sense of sexual identity. And so the rise of, se of this sense of sexual dysphoria, where they don't have a sense of, or gender dysphoria, where they don't have a sense of comfort with their own gender, their own God-given, God-assigned God gender of male and female. It's, it's in the DNA. There it is. This is not complicated. And, and yet, they become confused and they find a bond they can belong with others who don't feel good about themselves at that awkward stage of their own lives. The seduction is horrible, but the destruction is horrifying. And so I, I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, we have to battle back. We have to fight the good fight. And this is where we can feel so powerless, so powerless to take stands, to take stands with the power that comes from God, not from our own clever arguments, not from our own thinking about things and saying, let's just generate our own community-based initiatives or, or uh, attempts to, to battle back. No, we have to root these things in prayer. We have to root these things in the spiritual weapons of the warfare that God has given to us. And to today's point, in the Spirit of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God's Holy Spirit has been poured forth into our hearts, into our souls at baptism. And there's an increase in the life and the giftings of the Holy Spirit in confirmation. And yet, so few Catholics have experienced the deep release and empowerment of that same Holy Spirit poured forth in baptism because for so many of us it happened when we were infants, and in confirmation because for so many of us we weren't prepared, we weren't disposed. It, the vision was never raised up. It was just a kind of sacrament of graduation. It was completed your initiation. It was going to allow you to get married in the church. And you could finally say, I finished my uh, religious education program at my parish and I'm done. And now sadly, now, for some, it's more than that. You know, maybe they had a good program where they learned more about their faith. And there was about this idea of making an adult decision to live your faith. It is frankly so much more than that. 
It's our experience of Pentecost. That's what confirmation is intended by God to be as the church teaches it. It's your personal Pentecost. And that's what we need. We need a personal Pentecost. I'll talk more about that in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you. If you're enjoying this program, please go to the Dr. Tom Curran podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you are on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Give me a review. Give me a rating. Click on that five-star rating. Let's get uh, more visibility to this podcast and the message that I bring forth to you in this form on the radio. It's available for anyone to hear at any point through Apple Podcasts. If that's too hard to remember or figure out, you can go to my website, mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org, and you can just click on the button that will allow you to then subscribe to the podcast, and you can leave a review and a rating for the podcast. So if you do that for me, it would be a huge blessing. I'm also encouraging you, I'm now being much more intentional about getting content out on YouTube and Facebook. Here I am talking about the, uh, the, the way in which these platforms are broken and dark and evil. Well, I also want to be on there to bring light, to bring the gospel, to stand up for faith, to engage, and to bring the face and light of Christ onto the, into the virtual world. So the content that I'm speaking here, as well as the interviews I'm doing with different guests for book authors and others, you're going to be able to find them on my Facebook page, I Love My Catholic Faith. If you go to Facebook, type in I Love My Catholic Faith, or you can t- type in Tom Curran. Uh, you can type in the Curran crew, Tom and Kerry Curran, lots of different ways to get access to the content that we're putting forward several times a week now, several times a week, as well as on YouTube. Okay, if you go to YouTube, My Catholic Faith TV, My Catholic Faith TV, all one word, you'll be able to get access to that content as well. So, Still putting it all together, but lots of ways to um, get even more content if you're enjoying this from what I'm producing these days um, on this program. Speaking of the program, um, next week I have two guests that I'm interviewing um, on, let's see, one will air, I think it's on Wednesday and Thursday of next week. Um, I'll be having um, first, um, my first guest is going to be Carlo Broussard, and he... Um, just published a new book, or the, the book was published by um, Catholic Answers, uh, but a new book that he wrote called Meeting the Protestant Response, How to Answer Common Comebacks to Catholic Arguments. What an interesting book. Meeting the Protestant Response, How to Answer Common Comebacks to Catholic Arguments. And the other one is called These Twelve, The Gospel Through the Apostles' Eyes by Rod Bennett. And very interesting book, The Gospel Through the Apostles' Eyes. He writes in a way that attempts to like break open scriptures that you probably didn't see before in the Gospels or like think about and uh, mine them for insights into what it was like to be the apostles. So I think you'll really enjoy that interview as well with Rod Bennett. And that is also published by Catholic Answers Press. So Last couple of weeks, it was Sophia Institute Press that got some uh, some visibility. Well, next week, it's going to be Catholic Answers Press. Uh, 
So you'll want to tune in for those two interviews. And on Monday, I have Father Kurt Nagel and Father Jeff Lewis on as well. Friday will next Friday, Kerry will be on with me. So I promised you. I said, well, I, I committed, and uh, and I'm, it's nice to see it happening. I committed to getting on more guests to bring um, new content and new voices to you that I think that you would find to be a blessing. And so it's happening. It means I'm, I'm reading a lot more these days. <laughs> um, but you know what? Good stuff. I, I love reading um, a number of these books that I've had a chance to read uh, in, uh, to be able to do these interviews well. Uh, that Father Wade Menezes, uh, who was on last week, he was so excited about the way the interview went. Afterwards, he uh, he brought out his other two books and said, hey, can we do an interview on these two as well? So we're going to do one of those coming up. Um, the interview is actually set for uh, the middle of September. So it'll be on in the middle of September. Uh, we're going to talk about um, overcoming uh, sin and, and or the darkness of evil uh, through God's grace. Um, and that'll be neat because it'll also highlight his coming out to uh, Coeur d'Alene for a men's retreat that will be coming up in the middle of October. So that'll be neat. And then he wrote a book on the four last things that we'll cover um, at the end of the liturgical year to help you guys um, enter into that 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 part of uh, our our life, uh, the, the liturgical life of the church, as we reflect on death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Oh boy, there you go. So lots of uh, great stuff happening here on the program. I'm excited to be able to bring it to you. So where was I before I uh, went on that little uh, tangent there? Let me kind of pull back uh, onto, onto the road. Um, I was talking about the personal Pentecost, the personal Pentecost that God intends for our lives. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder whether the reality of Pentecost, read it, Acts chapter 2. Remember in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls down upon the apostles, disciples, and mother of God in the upper room, and everything changes. Everything changes for them. You know, they obviously knew Jesus, knew his message, but now the power of God himself lands upon and dwells within these apostles, so much so that they now can't be stopped, won't be stopped. The wind, the, the strong blowing wind and the fire are marks of what happens when the spirit of Pentecost moves upon someone. But if you see the effects in their lives, they're completely transformed. They're completely changed. You know, you talk about trying to do uh, like heroic things and fulfilling God's call without God's power, ridiculous. We look ridiculous. We fall short and fail. We just will and we do because we lack supernatural strength. And so Pentecost introduces the power of God's Holy Spirit in their lives and they are courageous evangelists withstanding all kinds of persecution, imprisonment, other kinds of of difficulties and beatings. Their whole lives get upended and the apostles all die as martyrs except for the apostle John. Uh, including the Apostle Paul, right? they all just give their lives. They pour their lives out for the gospel. And honestly, we need that today. We need lay people. I'm talking to you, lay men, lay women, husbands and wives, grandmothers, grandfathers, young men, young women. We need 
Pentecost to come alive in us. When Pentecost comes alive in us, we will find it easy. We will find it natural to stand up and speak with strength and conviction, to be able to withstand the fear of man, the fear of losing reputation, the fear of what can man do against me if God is on my side. And you know what? Lord, I am going to, my life is less important than your gospel. My life is less important than the truth of your gospel. And Lord, just give me that grace. Give me that grace, Lord, to do whatever I need to do for my family, in my family, and leading my family, and, and speaking into school systems, even Catholic schools, speaking to and crying out for our priests and bishops to take leadership, and speaking out, standing up, and pushing back against transgender ideology that is just destroying public school kids, destroying them, and it's also woven its way in clever, seductive, intimidating ways into many Catholic diocesan schools. That's why I'm so often recommending these private Catholic schools in the classical tradition, those that stay in good communication and connection with dioceses, um, or uh, in, in the instance that where my kids are, they're at a classical Christian school, which is the most Catholic school my kids have ever been at. It's absolutely more faithfully Catholic than any of the Catholic schools my kids have ever attended. In the devotion to Christ, in their love of the gospel, in their way that they present to my kids Catholic saints, doctors of the church, texts, councils, down through the 1,500 years of, of, the, of the life of our tradition. I'm, I'm just stunned how beautiful it is. So we have to take that kind of vigorous action to protect our kids. But we won't do it without God's power. It'll feel impossible. It'll feel like it's too much. It'll feel like, is, is it really that necessary? Come on, is it really that necessary? I gotta tell you, the families that have taken action, none of them have said, I regret it. None of them. I haven't met one of the dozens and dozens and dozens of families that I have talked to over the last three years that have uprooted and taken the move in sacrificial circumstances, very difficult circumstances, in such situations that were unexpected, not easy, not planned, not desired, but they did it. Zero have said, I regret that decision. I have met many who have said, Tom, I heard what you had to say. We talked, talked about it, thought about it, and said, we just can't do it. And sadly, the biggest reason why they say they can't do it is because of their kids. My kids won't let me. I, I, I can't do that to my kids. They'll suffer. And they often come back and say, I regret my decision. I wish I had taken action. We need the power of God. Human power is not going to be sufficient. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. 
Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. Today I'm kind of standing on a bit of a, a, a street corner crying out, <laughs> I'm a herald, crying out, pleading to not attempt to, to fulfill your call today, thinking that it's an ordinary time and ordinary measures will be sufficient for you to get through this age unscathed if you have kids and if your kids are teenagers and college kids and below, right? If you're younger, you still have a chance before your kids hit those tween years and the teen years, then it just gets harder and harder and harder. And then there just will be suffering. It just, there just will. So there, there may be like the rare, extraordinary 1% exceptions to these rules, but they don't make the rule. They're the exception to the rule. So, okay. So what is this reality of the power of the Holy Spirit? How do we access this power of Pentecost if we were confirmed and it didn't happen? Like, did I miss out to get it confirmed again? Well, no, actually, this is why Carrie and I are doing these prayer meetings on Tuesday nights. Last Tuesday, it was really cool. It was, it was beautiful. We had it was over 40 people there last, last Tuesday. And I think we've had probably close to about 80 or 90 people come over the course of the five weeks where we've done this so far. And this is in the summer. Like this is the summertime where people have such scattered and distracted schedules and difficulties just trying to get anything to come together. I can't wait for the fall to see what the Lord is going to do um, in this prayer meeting. But it was, it was really beautiful. It was really beautiful to see these folks come together so hungry to go deeper in their faith just hungry for good, solid teaching on the Catholic faith, good uh, prayer and, and praise and, and, and song and fellowship with others who are, are, have a common mind and, and this common hunger and desire for more of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to be released in their lives. And at the end of these meetings, we have some folks who have been trained in prayer through um, either the Encounter School of Ministry um, that is operating uh, in the Archdiocese of Seattle, um, or who have been trained to pray with others um, for healing, um, for, uh, for spiritual blessings to come upon their lives. Again, th this is an example of the reality of charismatic giftings that God will release within his people as we seek for those blessings. So, as I mentioned, we are five weeks in, and um, the four, last four weeks, we've recorded the talks and um, posted not only the talks, but some of the small, like the large group sharing question and answers. And so if you're interested in those, you can find them on, um, on YouTube. You can find them on YouTube at uh, Curran Crew. Uh, the current crew. So if you just type in current crew, um, you will, um, you'll be led to the channel where you'll see those videos posted of the talks. Now, again, if that's too much for you, if you can't kind of like, I don't quite, I'm not going to remember those things. Just go to mycatholicfaith.org. Okay, go to mycatholicfaith.org and, and there'll be an easy way there to say contact Tom. Okay. You'll be able to contact me and just say, Hey, can you send me a link to those talks from the prayer meetings? Um, and so folks are listening to them if they miss it, if they're missing a prayer meeting, but I'm basically walking folks through a 
a teaching on these moments of discipleship, and I've shared that on Sound Insight. I've shared it on this program, so you can go to the podcasts if you want to go back and kind of catch the teachings that I've given in even a longer form. Um, but it's it's building towards a praying with others for the a deeper release and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So this grace, this anointing, this grace of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the distinctive gifting of the movement of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. So it's a movement that has been approved by popes, it has been supported by popes, and it has touched the lives of over 160 million, 170, 180 million Catholics around the world. That's stunning. It's like the largest movement in the Catholic Church, in the whole world, is the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Now, you, if you haven't been touched by the Catholic Charismatic Renewal through prayer meetings or conferences and events like that, um, it's because here in America, the renewal has really faded. It has faded. It has faded as the culture has become more toxic to Catholic and Christian faith. And so it's really not surprising that um, we have not had a vigorous... Um, advancement of the movement of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. But here's what I sense and see happening, that when a society becomes more godless, more atheistic, more secular, therefore absent of the divine, of the realm of the supernatural, of anything beyond or transcendent beyond this world, it becomes a moment when God and his move on this earth in our lives, the supernatural dimension can become that much more striking, that much more gripping, that much more compelling to people who are searching for meaning, searching for something beyond what the material world and these social media platforms is promising them is going to bring them fulfillment. Because lies can't bring fulfillment. Lies are never going to bring fulfillment. Deceptions will never bring fulfillment. For a time, it might cloud their judgment. It might confuse their hearts. But it ultimately leads to deep spiritual darkness, bondage, and even demonic harassments that can lead people into really dark, despairing situations. But they're made for God. They're made by God. There's a place in their heart that only God can fill. And what will grab people's attention in those circumstances is supernatural breakthroughs, signs, wonders, deeds of power, the power of God breaking into life, into lives, and doing things that are unexplainable by science, unexplainable by human reason alone. That the testimony that this is God God moving, God entering a life, intervening into a situation to bring a fresh start, freedom, peace, a new beginning, healing, wholeness, to bring salvation, redemption. That will open people to the gospel. That will open people to a return to faith. That will offer to people an authentic alternative to the clever, pervasive, uh, uh, 
the clever, pervasive, intimidating, seductive presentation of the anti-gospel that is widespread like a tidal wave coming at your kids, coming at the lives of adults and young people today. We need a compelling alternative. And that compelling alternative is God showing up. Whoa. God showing up and saying, don't ignore me. I made you for myself. And I love you too much to allow you to remain into this darkness and to allow you to be seduced into this darkness and to allow you to be destroyed by these ideologies that want to, uh, want to uh, not just disturb, but to destroy your heart, your body, your soul. God loves all of us too much to let this continue. And so it's our turn. It's our time to step in and say, Lord, please bring about in me a new Pentecost. Lord, please release within me the gift of the Holy Spirit as once granted at Pentecost. Lord, I want a new Pentecost in my life. I want the fullness of the power of your Holy Spirit operating on me, in me, and through me. Come, Holy Spirit, O Spirit of Pentecost, and release within me the fullness of your gifts, graces, and anointings. Shape and mold me. Cleanse me and form me. Forge in me as uh, in a fiery furnace what you need me to be and what you need me to become so that I can be a useful vessel for supernatural breakthroughs in this world. Can you pray like that? Will you pray like that? Are you going to be ready for what's going to be asked of you? When you pray like that? Because you know what? You don't know what's going to be asked of you. You don't know what's going to be required of you. But it is going to mean a standing up and a withstanding of so much that is coming forward in mainstream media, in online platforms, and that is, again, seducing, disturbing, and destroying the hearts, minds, souls, and bodies of our kids today. It's a worthy way to live your life. It's a noble way to live your life. It's a heroic way to live your life. It's a holy way to live your life. You may not be famous. You may not be powerful. You may not be wealthy. But you will have spent your life on the mission that God created you for.